somewhat of a public service announcement. Now, I spent a lot of money to go to law school and to learn as much as I could about the legal system, what's out there. And you're exposed to a number of things, but you're not exposed to everything. And in order to just continually educate myself and expose myself to new things, making sure there's nothing that's going to catch me off guard, I use various social media. I think that's one of the great things about social media is just the spreading of information. I didn't expect to be on Instagram and come across something that I didn't know about the Americans with Disabilities Act. And it's not the source that's important. It's exactly the, the substance of what was posted by Mike Lover. I'm a minority, 100% total and permanent disabled veteran and was just sued by a serial sewer blind guy for not having a website that accommodated blind people. We've asked and no one knows what that means. I find that hard to believe. Took me some easy Googling that we're going to discuss in this episode. We have to pay thousands to litigate. Does anyone know what that compliance is? No one knows. Okay. I, I think there's some information out there that we can ignore. The gist of the matter that I wasn't aware of is that you can, as a business owner, depending on the characteristics of the business and your website, can be sued by someone that is sight impaired for non-compliance with the American Disabilities Act. We talked in a previous podcast episode regarding Supreme Court rulings and talking about law, the interpretation, understanding, okay, what was the original intent of it? What was kind of going on, the zeitgeist of the current time that it was uh, ratified? And that's kind of a gist, the gist of like what's going on with the interpretation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And we'll pull that up because what's at issue currently is this Title III Public accommodations and services by private entities. Uh, talks about and defines what's commerce, commercial facilities, demand responsive systems, so on and so forth. And when you think of like ADA compliance, I think a lot of us think about actual physical brick and mortar stores, having wheelchair ramps, having Braille on the menus, something where the person's physically in there. Well, we've transitioned to a more of a virtual society over time, and this has been challenged to extend to different facets of the world. And we can pull up and discuss. I found, according to the Missouri Bar Association, they posted a number of things discussing what is and isn't a public accommodation. So first, streaming service giant Netflix has been the target of complaints of litigation regarding people that are visually impaired, and the Massachusetts court held in the case of National Association of the Deaf versus Netflix. Oh, I'm sorry, this was hearing impaired. That Netflix was a public accommodation, even though it could only be accessed in a private residence. And it's gone back and forth. So California, which surprises me because they tend to be more on the side of the individual. So they're not the most corporate friendly. Came to the opposite conclusion, holding that Netflix was not a place of public accommodation and not subject to Title III requiring certain ADA compliance measures. The result was reiterated in favor of the video rental Redbox in Jancic versus Redbox Automated Retail. The court granted Redbox motion to dismiss because it wasn't held to be a public place because it, it was online. I mean, or Redbox was, you know, one of those stand-up stores where you go and rent and so on. So... There was a difference, though. So in the 2017 case of Gill versus Winn-Dixie Stores out of Florida, and we'll go into, you're hearing a lot of court cases among different states. 
was it the first ADA website accessibility case in which a judge expressly ordered a business to comply with an expansive list of guidelines created by digital experts for making website content more accessible called Website Content Accessibility Guidelines, WCAG 2.0, wildly held to be the quote-unquote gold standard in website compliance. Had no idea that this existed, and this is why I like to share information and do the research. Let's talk about the facts of this case. The plaintiff, who is legally blind, sued Winn-Dixie over his inability to use the store's website due to the site's incompatibility with screen reader software. The court found that Winn-Dixie's website was indeed a place of public accommodation because it was largely integrated with its physical store locations. The court also noted that the website services identified by the plaintiff in his complaint were directly related to physical stores. The court held that Winn-Dixie's website violated the ADA because it was not sufficiently accessible to customers who are visually impaired, and the court issued injunctive relief stating that the website must conform to the criteria of the Website Content Accessibility Guidelines 2.0. They appealed. uh, They said they didn't create an intangible barrier to its services. The majority used a strict textualist approach in its ruling, pointing to the extensive list of public accommodations contained within Title III, all physical locations in which individuals will find themselves in their daily lives. The court noted that this list is limited to actual physical spaces. Intangible spaces like websites simply aren't up, uh, places of public accommodation under the ADA, according to the circuit court. Majority opinion acknowledged um, inaccessibility online can be significant inconvenience, but constitutional separation of powers principles demand that details concerning whether or not the um, how these difficulties should be resolved in project best left to Congress. So it's important to note that when the court's doing the interpretation, their intent is not to ratify additional law. It's only to interpret existing law that we discussed in the Supreme Court podcast episode. So what they're saying is, unfortunately, by the letter of the law, doing the analysis, interpreting what it, what the current state of the world was in 1990, based on how the ADA was written. If there wants, if there should be changes, they should be made by Congress. Um, and then we go on and hand down the ruling. There was additional rulings, and there's just no slam dunk case where. The Supreme Court was willing to say one way or the other if online requires certain accommodations to people that are impaired, visually, hearing, so on and so forth. So we're just left in this world of limbo and ambiguity. We, we just don't know. A lot of this is left to the interpretation of the states still to this day. So you'll see different suggestions, regulations of the state level And that's why it's important to know. So you've got this overarching Americans with Disabilities Act to protect individuals that are impaired in some sort of physical manner. And then you have the interpretation at the state level of how they want to do it. And because of all these question marks, it seems, again, this is not legal advice. You should always consult an attorney if you need to, that the best case scenario is to just comply with what I was stating before, which is the Website Content Accessibility Guidelines 2.0. And a lot of these different services, Squarespace, Shopify, seem to have exactly how to enable compliance. They're not by default there for... uh, They're not enabled by default And again, I think it's because of this ambiguity at the state level, the interpretation, where they're just not going to go out and just say, hey, if you abide by these, then you won't 
open yourself up to litigation, but they do provide certain guidelines. And I mean, it's helpful, I guess. There's other things that you can do um, according to the CRC group. Um, fixing the website, you can add a hypertext markup language tag to every image and graphic, allowing for brief or longer amounts of text to describe the element, offering documents in alternative text formats, such as rich text formats or HTML, in addition to portable document for PDFs, uh, providing text captions and audio descriptions for video files, and just describing as much as you can on your website. The unfortunate fact of the matter is, as Mike Glover posted, Despite whether or not you're in the right or in the wrong, you do open yourself up to potential trolls, people that are kind of like ambulance chasing, looking for ways to game the game, the system against innocent bystanders. There should be some sort of better notice. So I'm giving it to you that this is a possibility and it's important just to take the extra measures for compliance, whether or not you would reach some sort of litigation. Like this is just a kind of a a protection move, a proactive way to try to prevent it from happening. And I wish there could be just a slam dunk flat out, do these things that you won't get sued, but that's kind of the litigious society that we live in. And I want to take a step back because it could probably be a little frustrating, make you scratch your head, make you even angry at times. But I want to play kind of devil's advocate to that position because I always like to look at both sides of every argument and why we allow certain things. In this case, I wouldn't know what it's like to be hearing or visually impaired and how that creates such a burden on someone's life. And you just don't have this normal way of life that a lot of us do that have all five senses available to us. And the internet is such an important aspect of our everyday lives. So when you see something like this happen and the courts rule one way or the other, and you have someone like myself that can provide notice to entrepreneurs, small, medium, big size business owners that can then take measures to help with the individuals of that part of the population that need additional work, then it's good for them. I think it's good for society people are always going to take advantage of the system that's made available to them in one way or the other. And that sucks. And you want Congress or you want society to kind of police it. Like the court of public opinion is often discussed when we would be in the academic setting in law school talking about, okay, well, the court's going to rule in favor of what we deem to be the wrongdoer, but in the court of public opinion, there's going to be backlash. Like if it's a a corporation is found innocent, but we all agree that they're guilty, then we can choose with our dollar and not support them in any form or fashion. So it's not a perfect system. And that's just, again, unfortunate, but you got to have, you get good and the bad And if anyone ever has a better theoretical way that can be proven out to be better than our current system, then I'm sure everyone is hopefully all ears. But until then, when I come across stuff like this that I think is pretty interesting and I like to protect the entrepreneurs while also acting in the best interest of society as a whole. So now that we know entrepreneurs, business owners can take these steps, follow these different guidelines for accessibility to be ADA compliant on their websites and the people that need those additional measures 
benefit from it because now they can use your tools and your website and can benefit and feel more normal. So take the measures, look it up again. If I go to here, um, just search accessibility, ADA compliance on whatever platform, Squarespace, Shopify, whatever you're using, or you could also Google and see website content accessibility guidelines. Or if you feel like you need the additional steps, then you can, you know, discuss with your in-house counsel or some external counsel and see what there needs to be done to be compliant. Just don't give anybody a reason to sue you, right? So public service announcement, again, thought it was interesting and a good topic to discuss.